Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hi everyone and welcome to My Millennium Money Medical. My name is Dev Raga and in this episode we will discuss the concept of bid-ask price, bid-ask spread and market makers. Thank you very much for Tom for the great topic suggestion. If you want me to discuss a specific topic or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three aims, education, empowerment and being entertained. And don't forget about the five basic principles that I talk about when it comes to your personal finance, starting with pay yourself first. So let's get started. Now, before we go on to the main topic, I had a question from Thopian who asks, Hi, Dev, I'm in my 50s and I have a son who's about to graduate as a lawyer. He has a job lined up which is going to earn him around $70,000 per year initially. He's been working as a student and currently works at a large bank. He lives at home, expense-free. He has significant savings now and will likely be able to put 20% deposit to buy his first home later in the year. Now, he's considering to save up some money and buy the home, then rent it out for a few years and then move back into it. Is this possible without paying capital gains tax when eventually he decides to sell the home? How long can we rent it out without being pinned by the capital gains tax laws? That's a really good question, Thopian, and thanks for the question. It's really good that you're worried about your son's future, but ideally, I want him to be able to ask this question. And let's pretend that he did for a second. Here are the rules. You can rent out your home for a period of six years, and I think the six-year cycle resets each time, and then you can convert it back to your principal place of residence without having to pay capital gains tax. Now, what you need to check is, does it matter if you rent it out immediately after purchasing the home, or do you need to live in it for a period of time? And I think you might find that you will need to live in it for a period of about six months prior to converting it to an investment property. Um, So I think that's a really relevant question. You might want to ask that to your accountant. Now, the other thing about principal place of residence is you can only have one principal place of residence at any one time. And you need to specify this in your taxes. Now, here are some important things you may want to consider if you're going to go down this route. If you lived in your property first and then you rented it out, you need to get a market report on what your property is worth at the time of you making it an investment property. This means you need to get it properly assessed by a bank valuer or a property valuer. Now, I'm not so sure if any real estate agent can be doing this. Um, I think you may find that they'll need to have some valuation qualifications as a formal property valuer, and they can be a real estate agent if they have those qualifications. And of course, when you do that, this then determines your cost base. And then when you eventually sell the property, 
you get your sale price minus any expenses associated with buying and selling your property minus the cost base, of course. Then you apply the six-year rule after this. Now, if you sell it after you've rented it out for greater than six years in a stretch, then you need to pay capital gains tax. But it's on a pro rata basis. And the other thing is, which you need to consider, is when you make your property an investment property, if you have a nominated another property as your principal place of residence, then the six-year rule may not apply. So you need to check this. So I guess what's considered a principal place of residence? Now, it's a home which you live in and doesn't generate an income. So you can't rent any portion of it and you can't do any business from within it. So there are four main rules that you need to look up. One, a PPR is you need to live in it. Two, your possessions must be within it. Three, you must receive your postal mail there. And four, the utilities must be connected in your name. Now, a lot of people forget to do a market valuation at the time of conversion between principal place of residence and investment property. I think that's really, really important. And the general rule of thumb is to try and get the highest valuation possible, which means knowing the property cycles in your area is advantageous. And hopefully this answers your question. So the concept to understand here is what is a principal place of residence and what is the six-year rule to avoid capital gains tax on your principal place of residence if you ever were to rent it out. So thanks, Thopian, and congratulations to yourself and your son. And hopefully he has a wonderful career as a lawyer and congrats on graduating. It's a big achievement indeed. Now to the main topic, what is the bid and ask price? Now, there is another term uh, for this particular topic, and that's called the bid and offer price. Basically, it's a two-way price quotation system, which provides the best price to sell out and the best price to buy at. Now, the bid price is the maximum price a buyer is willing to pay to buy something. The ask price is the minimum price a seller is willing to take for that something. And a sale occurs when the buyer matches a seller's request. Therefore, the wider this margin is, the less likely a product or security is going to transact. Now, that leads to the next concept called liquidity. Now, when the bid and ask prices are very close to each other, it means that there is more transactions happening for something or more likely more transactions. And that something can be a product or a stock or a security. And for the purposes of this podcast episode, let's just stick to stocks for a second. It's just a lot easier to explain it in the stock market. Now, when there are loads of transactions for a particular stock, it means that stock has good amounts of liquidity. So what is liquidity? Now, I did cover this in my previous life as DevRacker Personal Finance in episode 84, where I totally geeked out. So if you really want the details of it, go back and listen to it. I dedicated the entire episode to that particular topic. But here's a brief rundown. In its strictest definition, liquidity just means how quickly or at what ease an asset can be converted to cash. So in the stock market, that answer is quite quickly and quite easily. Now, in the stock market, it's called market liquidity. So the prices are stable, transparent, which makes the transactions easier to do. Now, there is something called accounting liquidity, which is slightly different. This is when companies are able to pay off debts using their liquid assets at hand 
without struggling to do so. So if a company has good levels of accounting liquidity, it just means they're sitting on plenty of cash or cash-like assets, which can be used quickly to pay off any debts. So let's use an example here at this point to highlight the concept of a bid-ask price. Amy is an occupational therapist and is interested in getting into the stock market. Now, she notes a particular stock, which is interested in, and let's call that company stock, company ABC stock. She notices on the stock market and various brokerage firms, there is a bid-ask price. The bid price is $13 per share. The ask price is $13.20 per share. Therefore, what's the difference? That difference is called the bid-ask spread. Now, what this means is if Amy wants to buy the stock, she will need to pay $13.20 per share. And if she sold the same share, she would only get $13 per share. Now, the difference is pocketed by the broker as part of the transactional costs in addition to whatever the brokerage fee is. And this is something really important to understand. So Amy then decides to buy 100 shares of company ABC stock, and she notes the total cost actually is not $1,300. It's actually $1,320. And that $20 is lost in fees. And in fact, is a profit to the so-called middleman. Now, more about this later in the episode. Now, let's use another example to highlight liquidity. Amy, again, is an occupational therapist, and she's looking to buy a new TV. The TV costs around $3,000. She doesn't have the cash to buy it, but she has a very rare toy collection, which she thinks is worth around $3,000. In fact, she's got a certificate that says it's worth $3,000. So she attends the retailer and says she has a rare toy collection. Here's a certificate. It's worth $3,000. Can the retailer please accept it so Amy can walk away with the TV? So she wants to give the toy certificates and the toy to buy the TV. And the answer is obviously no. The retailer is going to say, sorry, I'm not accepting your toys. So Amy then walks out of the retailer, advertises her toy collection, and it takes several weeks to get a buyer willing to pay $3,000 for it. Eventually, she gets the money, attends the retailer, and buys the TV. Now, in this case, the liquidity is said to be very low. In fact, there is no real market in the world which allows toy collections to be easily used to buy a TV. It just doesn't exist. Now, if Amy had stocks worth $3,000, that'd be much more easier for her. Hence, the situation would be more liquid for her. But the best liquidity case is if Amy just had $3,000 in the bank account, she can just walk into the retail store and buy the TV from the retailer because the retailer recognises the $3,000 in cash. Now, hopefully that sets up the scene for the next topics. That is the bid-ask spread and market makers. Then we'll tie it all in with more examples. Now, before that, just a quick break. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. Now, in our back, so far we've learned about bid, ask, price and liquidity. Remember, in one of the examples where Amy buys company ABC stock, it actually cost her $1,320 to buy 100 shares, even though each of the shares is only $13, rather than $1,300, even though, like I said, the company stock is only at $13 per share. So the obvious question is, what happens to the $20 difference? Why is there such a difference? And what is that called? That's called the bid-ask spread. Now, If you're an investor, when you log into your investment account and you buy stocks, you'll notice this all the time. Even on Vanguard index funds, when you log in, there is a spread. It's usually documented as a percentage. So what is the bid-ask spread? Well, in this particular case, the bid-ask spread is 20 bucks, and that's the implied cost of trading. And it's usually pocketed by the broker or the market maker. Now, mostly the market maker and brokers are the same people involved. The smaller the bid-ask spread, the more liquid the market is for that stock and the more transactions which can happen. And usually popular companies, big companies, tech companies have a narrow bid-ask spread. Obscure and small companies have larger bid-ask spreads. So what happens then during times of high demand but poor supply? Well, this means that a company stock is in really high demand, so the bid price That is, the highest price that someone is willing to pay for that particular stock to get it off and buy it is going to rise. And therefore, you find the bid-ask prices drift higher. Now, the opposite is true during times of low demand and high supply. That is, the bid-ask prices will start to drift down. So then where's the market maker fitting in all this? Now, usually brokers may employ market makers who are third parties who make sure there is enough liquidity in the market. Now, because if there isn't enough liquidity in the market, the market kind of doesn't exist. The way they make money is by the bid-ask spread. It's also important to note that market makers are usually big players like financial institutions mostly, and they make trades as well. And this is called principled trades. Let's use an example then to highlight this concept. Amy, again, an occupational therapist, is looking to buy company ABC stock. Now, the stock is trading at around $13 per share. The bid price is $13 and the ask price is $13.20. So, Amy wants to buy 100 shares, which is going to cost her around $1,320. And that's $13.20 per share. She uses a broker 123 to do this trade. And that broker employs a market maker who advertises this bid-ask price. And sometimes the broker themselves will advertise a bid-ask price, which is another premium. And this is when brokerages disclose they make money on cross-traders. But let's just negate this for a second. So where does the stock come from? 
In this particular case, the market maker receives the buy order of 100 shares from the broker, who is doing it on behalf of Amy. So the market maker offloads 100 shares from their inventory immediately. That is, the market maker who has the shares now sells it to Amy. Amy is now the owner of the shares. Now for the privilege, the market maker pockets 20 cents per share offloaded. And for 100 shares, the market maker profits a cool $20. This is a cost of doing business or the bid ask spread. So why do market makers do this? Isn't it unfair to pocket profits of trades? Well, the market maker at any given time must have enough inventory to meet the demand for company ABC stock. And this means they need to hold company ABC stock for a period of time. They take the risk of company ABC stock going lower. And it's for this risk they get rewarded with the spread profits. Otherwise, what's in it for the market maker? So they're the middleman that's trying to make a quick buck of people that want to buy and sell shares. And they hold the company stock and they've got to hold it until someone else buys it off them. So essentially for that risk, you're paying that little bit of a premium. And what would happen then if market makers didn't exist? Well, in Amy's case, she would want to buy the same 100 shares. And if there's no liquidity and there's no market makers or inventory for these shares, she would need to wait until another investor is willing to sell. Now, the stock market is meant to be transparent. It's meant to be an open market, which allows for easy trades. So if the trades are not made easy and Amy needs to wait until an investor sells 100 shares, guess what? She won't want to buy shares. It's just too hard. If the friction becomes higher to trade and the buy-sell stocks process is not as easy, then people won't do it. And if people don't do it as much as they do, the market kind of doesn't exist. It's as simple as that. And that's why market makers exist. Now, can market makers change their bid-ask price? Absolutely. It's a dynamic situation. It all depends on the volume of trades, the supply and the demand. And the market maker will need to adjust it and can change quite frequently and sometimes changes multiple times a day. This is a competitive process. And you can imagine an investor will be looking for the best bid-ask spread. So if this spread is too much, they may switch brokers. Likewise, brokers may switch market makers too if it doesn't provide for their customer's bottom line. And where do these sort of bid-ask spreads exist? They exist in stocks, index funds, ETFs, options trading, future markets, contracts, bonds, or currency pairs. But the fundamental concept exists in that the buyer is willing to pay a certain amount of price for a product and the seller of that product is willing to sell for a specific price. The sale only happens if the two meet in the middle. So when it comes to the Australian Stock Exchange then, do they have designated market makers? And the answer is no, because the term designated market make- makers is also called a specialist, which is often used in the New York Stock Exchange. Now, there are rules which market makers need to follow, which are set out by the ASX and the Australian stock market, such as minimum time period or minimum liquidity requirement. And the ASX provides incentives to market makers to meet this criteria. So who are the market makers in Australia? Well, the likes of Deutsche Bank, BNP Paribas, I can't pronounce this next one, Susquehanna, Jane Street, which is, they're basically a fixed income specialist based in the United States, 
a nine-mile financial. Now, in fact, last year, in March 2021, Nine Mile Financial poached two traders from Deutsche Bank. And the traders were Robert Fujiwara and Justin Miles, which were deemed a big loss for Deutsche Bank, as these people provided market-making facilities and activities for ETFs. And generally speaking, each ETF, on the whole, needs to have at least one or two market makers to provide that little bit of liquidity. Now, before we finish up, let's tie all of this together in a final example. And bear with me here. We get into the end of the episode, but I really want to hammer this point home using a scenario where there's two people trading. XYZ is a market maker. They provide a quote for company ABC stock at $5 to $5.50. And what this means is they want to buy the shares at $5, but they also want to sell the shares at $5.50 they pocket the spread, which is 50 cents per share. Now, other participants in the market can meet the request and offer to sell their shares to XYZ for $5 or buy the shares from XYZ at $5.50. Now, there are hundreds, if not thousands of market participants at any given point. In fact, Amy, our occupational therapist, is one of them. She's a market participant. She enters the game and she wants to buy company ABC stock. And basically... um, she decides to buy 100 shares. And the total cost to Amy is then $550, because remember, there's a spread. Now, meanwhile, enter Bob, who's another guy who has 100 shares, and he decides to sell. He needs to find a buyer for this. And the market maker has quoted a bid price of $5, so he decides to sell for $5 per share. So XYZ simply buys the shares from Bob at $500, Five dollars per share, hundred shares is five hundred dollars, and then sells the same shares to people like Amy at five hundred and fifty dollars or five dollars fifty per share. The same hundred shares. XYZ is just a market maker; they're just a middleman, and of course, you got the brokers on the other side as well. Now, the broker is the facilitator who basically helps this, and Amy and Bob have to pay a brokerage fee for that to happen. So. There are multiple players in this transaction, and that's just a simple example. And this happens thousands, if not millions of times per day. There are two investors, Amy and Bob. There's the market maker, XYZ Company, and there's the brokers who facilitate everything. It's almost as if that when you look at this topic, there's another universe in the stock market and the trading world. It appears relatively complex, and hopefully I've broken it down so that you can understand it much, much easier using simple examples. Now, I've certainly learned a lot about market makers, liquidity, bid-ask price, and bid-ask spread, and I hope you have too from this episode. That's about it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using, or just leave a five-star review on every single platform. That's even better. But please leave a positive review because it helps spread the message of financial education and improving your literacy. The more people that get access to these podcasts, the better it is for everyone. So thank you very much for the support and please keep those reviews coming. My name's Dev Raga and this is My Millennial Money Medical. And until next time, please make sure you stay safe. We 
We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.